look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. Good, good, good. It's been another. Um, it's been another interesting week. And we're opening up the door slowly. Yeah. Listen, I'm a golfer. I was like elated. Well, well you call yourself a golfer. Well, that's true. I, I've seen. I love golf. It doesn't so much like me. Yeah, well, okay. I, I got let's, it. Let's right. Uh, maybe maybe it'll, it'll turn around this season. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I doubt <laughs> it. it sound like a flames fan. Maybe yeah. this year's it's the year. Perpetual hope. That's what they should have <laughs> called the game. That's right. Um, anyways, we did get some news about that. We're going to have a cool show today. We're going to talk about um, the gift of time. So we've talked. There's lots of bad news um, that we hear about all the time. The fact is, when we're socially isolated, when we're staying home, perhaps the workload has changed, or you're laid off. You've got time. How do you use it effectively? Mm-hmm. And we're going to we're going to talk to um, an institution here in Calgary that has been a big benefactor. It's an absolutely necessary institution, and the volunteers are, are making a big difference. Okay, and they're getting engaged as well, using some of that time. And what if you don't want to go to your doctor anymore? Yeah. What if you're worried about going into the, the facilities and so forth, and you just want a different way of receiving the same health services, but just not in that location or facility? And so we're going to talk about how, or at least learn about how virtual healthcare works yeah. and how it can help you as an individual. There's some great programs and great technology out there that I think we need to discuss. And how far it's come. I'm, uh, you know, I've been doing some reading about this. It's shocking. Shocking what can be done. It is. And maybe there's now a, an acceptance. Right? Yeah. There's uh, less resistance. Less resistance, that's right. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a, that'll be a cool segment. Okay. Talk L- about- can, I, can I bring up a, a conversation that, that I've had with some listeners of this show? Remember, this, this is a family show. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. It's, okay. A, it's a family conversation. Okay, good. Um, and so um, the conversation came out with, look at the markets, Faisal. April was a great month. Things are going well, Faisal. All I have to do is just rely on my dividends oh, okay. of my stock portfolio okay. yep. to live off my, my lifestyle, my, my income in retirement. Yeah. And it's times like this where when the markets fall, people get very concerned. And when the markets jump up the way it's ha- it has in the month of April, mm-hmm. people go back to, well, this is it's fine. I can, I can deal with this because they're right. looking in hindsight that volatility. Can we talk about some of these companies that are out there? You mm-hmm. you were reporting this week mm-hmm. on on the on the station about you know there's been some slashes of dividends of companies that we've called them dividend aristocrats for so long. Yeah, well, I'll get to one in particular. But listen, if you're a follower, if if you're not a follower of ours in social media, I encourage you to do that because on the radio, right, we can talk about it on the social media. I can show you because I'm going to hold up a chart here. Yeah, I can't read them all off. But I can hold up a chart so you get a sense visually of how many Canadian companies have cut their dividends. So let me just hold this up. Correct. Okay. So this is where you start going to the uh, morethanmoneyradio.com website to see the list. Yeah. And it's about 37 companies that he's holding up on the first page. Yeah. On the first page. Yeah. And so, you know, we have long held, we've had lots of conversations about this. We've been educating for 10 years on this idea of income. And, And we have always said through that period of time that, in in our model, and let me be clear, our way is not the only way to do it. It's the only way we do it. But the only way we do it is we never include dividend as income. We include it as part of the total return in the growth bucket. Yeah, so let the, the dividends in most people, when they look at a dividend of a stock, they look at that as cash flow to live off of. Right. Because in the old days, right. 
used to be GICs and bonds. You'd get your interest payment and you'd live off of that. Right. And because interest rates are so low, they've been high graded to a higher risk is what I mean. Right. And they're going in the stock market and they're getting these dividends between 2 and 8% depending on the company. Yeah. And they're saying, yep, that's my new cash flow. I don't need to worry about anything. Right. Until... Until <laughs> Until the board of directors says we need to preserve capital to protect this company, and they slash it. Yeah, a lot of times getting dividend cash flow is okay. Right. But when you have high volatility, and you need more money than the dividends that are available, either because they cut their dividend and you need cash flow that's higher, mm -hmm. or you need just need more cash flow. Right. Now you're encroaching on capital. Well, yeah. You're potentially have forced into a position where you have to sell some of the shares of a company that produce a dividend in order to create the capital you need to fix your roof, in which case <laughs> you just have less income coming in the future. That. That's right. Because you have less shares that are paying out less dividends. Right. So listen, to all of you that, that rely on dividends and uh, are fine and your companies haven't been cut, um, I get it. There's different ways to do this. But this these times- It's and a it, risky way. Of, it is a way of doing it, but yeah. it's a very high risk way of doing That's it. That's exactly right. We, we don't believe that you should expose- if you if in retirement you want income to be predictable and you want it to be sustainable, sustainable. right? And we're seeing again. Now let me get a, give you a good example because I was talking about Royal Dutch Shell this uh, this past week. Royal Dutch Shell hasn't cut a dividend since the Second World War. They just slashed it by about two thirds. So what happened on the day that that they made that announcement? Of course, you have long-term shareholders who have relied on that dividend, Faisal, and it has been steady for 75 years. Pension plans had right. them, but didn't use the dividends as part of income. Right. But, but retail, individual families and individual investors use it as cash flow for their retirement. You bet. Now, what happens when they make an announcement like that? First of all, they would have shocked a lot of people. That's, that dividend has been sacrosanct forever. <laughs> well, guess what? Now you get a, a get a cut in the capital price. The price of the stock on that day fell, if memory serves me correct, about 13%. Yep. And I just took a 60% or 63% pay cut on that particular position. Yeah, why do you want to have the cash flow of a company you own as the only way you're going to live in retirement. Right. That if they increase or decrease their dividends, that's gonna be the outcome of your lifestyle. Can you do more or let, or have to do less? Because some board of directors said to, to their company and their shareholders, you, the retiree, needs to get less income. Right. Why are you putting yourself in that position? Yeah. So ask yourself the question, right? I mean, go to, our, go to the, the um, social media feed and you can see this this big list and you know there'll be many people listening that that have had the experience and we don't want that right predictability and sustainability and we're not talking about a cut in most cases during crises like this right of five or ten percent when we go through that list you're seeing 60 to 100 percent drops yeah. in cash flow of companies that were giving very good dividends consistent dividends some for decades well, sure. And it's not just energy because, yeah. you know, people, yeah, oh, energy, energy. it's not just energy it's, companies. It's, right. it's multiple industries yeah. in multiple jurisdictions, not just Canada. Right. And so this is where you are taking the biggest risk in your retirement to satisfy a need that you don't need to take that risk in order to satisfy that need. Right. And so what's happening now is people are saying, Dave, I'm having a fear of missing out. Yeah. So... 
we know some people. Well, best friends of ours. Best month. We finished the best month, even though we finished it on a down day on the on the month. We finished the best month in like 33 years. Right. And now the opposite's kicked in, this FOMO issue. Fear of missing out. And right. that happens when you start to time the market. We have friends mm -hmm. that got out of the market pretty much near the low, yeah. couldn't handle it, saying they're going to wait for some indication. Markets rallied. They're like, okay, now I should get back in. Right. Well, you want to know how to lose money? Right. Keep on losing. Right. And, and keep on trying to time the market after the market has already reacted. No, it's true. It's true. It's a, it's a common um, mistake that investors make. Yeah. And it can be, you can own really, really good companies. Okay. And you can permanently destroy capital. I mean, if you own a junior company that goes out of business, that's one thing. But if you own really good top quality companies, you can destroy capital permanently by trying to time it. Right? Correct. The market is not a very efficient pricer of, of securities in the short term. Why have we gotten away from just buying really good companies with great balance sheets, fantastic management that have good growth models in every economic cycle? Right. Why, why, has, why has the average investor got away from that? And, I, and, and the answer that I normally get is greed, because yeah. I can buy such and such industry and it takes off. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens in this world, Good companies are good companies, and they will, they will continue to be good as long as you've done your homework on the financials, right. the management, the barriers to enter into that industry. Yeah. All these different factors, we call them. We go through five to 600 factors yeah. before we buy a stock. Why are we just focusing on dividend without looking at the other factors. Why are we focusing on growth of a, of a stock trajectory yeah. without looking at the other factors? And, and, and the short term, right? And again, listen, this is not easy. I get it. There's an emotional impact when things go haywire and there's uncertainty and fear. All of those factors play a role. But you need a good structure and you need discipline in order to get through that so that you don't end up destroying, permanently destroying capital and still own good companies, Yeah. right? Own good companies and, and destroy capital permanently shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, let's wrap it up. We've got a uh, seminar. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Can't call it a seminar. A webinar. Webinar. Now, now yep. it's a webinar. And webinar. so we're. this is going to go through the process of how to actually properly structure your investments for income, growth, and other costs that may come down the road through retirement. Right. So we're doing this live online on Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m. But you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Need a great idea on how to use some of this extra time you may have on your hands and actually make a difference? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, Faisal, over the past couple of weeks, um, I've been talking about this idea of a gift of time. Yeah. Okay, so we're all in this situation. We've all been bombarded by change, and, and there's been negative news and everything else. But one of the positives of this is that we do have time. And some people are you know, spending time, um, more time with their family because they're isolated at home. And yeah. there's all these things. So there's really some positive stuff coming out of it. Yeah. Um, and so we've been searching and talking to as a, our production team, looking for ways to share those good stories and how people can get involved and how they can use their time productively. Yeah, you know, when we go back to the floods in Calgary right. and what people did when we had this sudden hit to our city right. and how we all got together and helped each other out, we had the gift of time then. Right. We may not have had a pandemic that made us 
or forced us to have more time. Right. But we had to get the time because people took time out of their days. Yeah, they created it, right? They created yeah. time yeah. to actually help their neighbors, yeah. help help everybody else. I remember gathering blankets and jackets and socks and yeah. so forth and going out there and, and, and you know, passing them out. Absolutely. And, and it was a very challenging time for this city. Now we are in a global pandemic. Yep. And we need to look at how this gift of time can be used to help everybody else again. Right. Lots of ways you can do it. Volunteer efforts, uh, all kinds of efforts. But we're going to talk to um, Shauna Ogston, a spokesperson for the Calgary Food Bank, because the Food Bank is uh, is doing some wonderful work right now and helping people in need. Um, so first of all, Shauna, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Food Bank. Just maybe give us an update as to the fine work that you and all the volunteers and the staff are doing and supporting the local community here. You know, the food bank is busy. Unfortunately, we've been busy for a number of years. We've never seen a decline in hamper demand. But you were just talking about how Calgarians have risen to the challenge in past crises. And we see that every day. This amazing amount of support that we see come through the doors every day at the Calgary Food Bank. Let's talk about that because I want to, you know, this is this is a... Listen, the fact of the matter is if there's an increased demand in the food bank, there's some underlying bad news there. Yeah, and let me jump in there yeah. by saying, you know, I've, I've spoken to, to some friends who said, yeah, yeah I want to I donate, yeah. I want to help the food bank, but I'm not going to come out of my house, take a whole bunch of food and drop it off. And I'm like, well, we've got to be creative, so let's talk to the people who are helping us yeah. understand how to be creative. So, right. so Shauna, <laughs> what are some of the ways that people are getting creative and how they're choosing to give to the food bank? Oh, you're so right. They're so creative. Well, of course, you can go online and make the monetary donation because for every dollar that's donated, we can leverage that into $5 worth of food. But now, of course, with the food supply change being a bit challenged, Mm -hmm. we can't order, you know, canned peas for three days later. We have to wait six weeks. So we have a number of people that when they put on their mask and they they say, okay, I'm going to the grocery store, if they're picking up something that they love for their family – they're donating another item, putting in the bin before they leave the store. That's accumulating in such amazing quantities. We have our drivers still picking up from our retail outlets, and the physical food donations are still pouring in. We're also working with a lot of food industry, and if we say, oh, we need this, next thing you know, a trailer's coming along and we've got it. And because of that generosity, when poor Fort Mac is having struggles. Mm -hmm. They called us and we said, what do you need? And the transportation was donated by the Teamsters. We loaded up a ship yesterday and away it went. So it's not just Calgary. Calgarians make sure that everyone is taken care of. And we couldn't do that every day without that generosity. Well, and the the creativity given this current environment. Let's Let's talk about this gift of time. So um, maybe uh, I would love to know some of the stories. Like I, I like the human the human story behind, you know, the data that we get. Um, And so I'm hoping that you might have some stories you can share with us about how people have made a difference and and those kinds of things. You got anything that comes to mind? Well, you know, we could not do what we do every day without the generous donors, but also the donors of time. But 70% of the work at the food bank is done by volunteers. So when the crunch came down about how many people we could have in a building, how we were going to do physical distancing and do safe food handling, we had volunteers in droves saying, I've got to be there. I've got to help. 
So, of course, we went through the health services criteria regarding who was vulnerable, who was sick, and we have about half of our workforce every week that are new volunteers that want to come out, make a difference, get hands-on to see the impact of their volunteer time. And now with some increased space, we have over 870 unique volunteers in our building during the week. Wow. Now, and those are stats. That is great. But I'm so blessed that I get to walk through the building and talk to people and say, wow, thank you. Thanks for coming today. What inspired you to come in? Mm-hmm. And every time, everyone just says, because I want to make a difference, because it feels good. I know that sounds selfish, but it feels good that I'm doing this. Uh, we had, Most of our volunteers were um, seniors. And yep. so, of course, they're a vulnerable population, and we can't have them in the building. But the young population has stepped up in droves. They said, you know, we can't work right now. We can't socialize, but we, we can't be homebound. We want to come out and make a difference. And there was just a young man the other day who was helping us bag potatoes for three hours. Sounds mundane, but he was so pleased. Yeah. He worked in a kitchen. He wasn't able to keep working, so he used his skills and came to the food bank. See, that, that, that's the, the gift of time I talk about, Correct. right? And so it's not only beneficial to the food bank and the recipients of all of that food, it gets this young man out of the house. He's productive, he's, right? And, you know, mental health, when we get yeah. self-isolated and all of these things, it's really important to take proactive steps to keep yourself engaged. Absolutely. And I think when when not only are you are you keeping yourself engaged for your own benefit, but when you're also helping the people around you and you're hearing the stories that have happened in this city and around this city, and you can give back your time, so you're engaged, but you're also benefiting somebody else. Yeah. Sa- putting a whole bunch of potatoes in a bag doesn't seem like it's a bad thing anymore or like it's difficult or anything <laughs> like that, but it's but it's something that that you can do to to give a little bit back while still keeping yourself engaged. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great combination. Yeah, Sean, I also want to address the, uh, this notion that sometimes people shy away from volunteer work because it sounds like it could be a lot of work. Um, so let's just say somebody wants to volunteer to bag yeah. potatoes for three hours. Um, you know, is that something that can be done, or does somebody have to sign up to a huge commitment of time? Well, right now, because of what's going on with the pandemic, you can only sign up for one shift once per week uh, for three weeks. Then we take a break and then you can sign up for another shift. And we have all kinds of opportunities. We could be, you could be sorting food, making sure that some of that uh, jello from the 1970s hasn't been donated as we go through the food sorting line. Uh, personally, I bagged potatoes because I wanted to work out and my arms were screaming afterwards. Uh, but we have other volunteers that are busy with our distribution. Now, one of our biggest challenges is not only with volunteers, is we don't have that warm fuzzy when you have the two meters apart. The same thing is with clients. We're behind glass. They're behind glass in their vehicles. But they're still getting the incredible reward, the thank you, the praise that's happening. So if it's simply pushing out a cart and helping someone load up their the trunk of their car, it the pride, the amazing feeling that people walk away with, there's, there's a lot of warm fuzzies to be had at the food bank. Shauna, Dave and I both have young children. And both of us are practicing some some social distance from everybody else. So we're kind of in our own homes, but we want to help the food bank. And there's many families in this city and around it that want to do the same thing. How do young individuals and families support the food bank while staying in their homes? What can they do? Yes, that 
that's a big challenge because you have to be 12 and older with a parent to actually physically come down to the warehouse. But if you want to stay in your home, for example, some of our older population are sewing masks for, for the staff and volunteers. Mm. So they're able to still contribute. Something as simple as have a great day cards that we can put in hampers is something a family could do together. And we could see some wonderful drawings and creativity and you would not believe how far that goes to lift someone's day. That's fantastic. That's great input. Shona, we have to, uh, we have to unfortunately leave it there. Thank you very much. It's been uh, wonderful speaking with you. Thank you for the time. Have a great day. You too. Shauna Augston is a spokesperson for the Calgary Food Bank. Congratulations to the Food Bank and all of the volunteers that make that happen. Absolutely. Clearly uh, an important piece of work. Now, lifestyle, right? So what we were talking about, that human journey that I mentioned, is all the about lifestyle. The yeah. gift of time, yeah. lifestyle. So as people transition into retirement, right, this notion is um, I've, got to, I've got to fill a hole. My, I've given up 40 hours of work or 50 hours a week, so I've got a gift of time. How am I going to use that time? Yeah. That's all part and parcel of successful Retirement. retirement planning. And when you go through that, one part of the concern, which is most people's, is how am I going to have my financial house in order so I can figure out my my time? So let's give them the, the, the approach, how to bulletproof their retirement so they can enjoy their retirement in whatever activities they do. And we're going to discuss this on Tuesday, May 19th, live online for our webinar. But you do have to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's 7 p.m. May 19th, Live online, go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Are you actually worried about going to the doctor, given the fact that somebody in that doctor's office might be sick? We've got a solution for that after the, after the break. Stick around. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Faisal, the healthcare system has been under pressure for a number of reasons, some of which are obvious, some of which are not. But virtual medicine, virtual care, right, telecare, all of these words that we're learning about right now, is maybe a bit of a different paradigm. Now, it's not necessarily new. No. So we've got the CEO, uh, Dr. Rick Titus. He's the CEO of WeCareMD. Um, and this is a company that's been around providing virtual care for four years. But it is becoming more prevalent. We're, yeah. we're talking about it more. There's, you know, there's a more obvious reason why people might be searching this out. And so we thought it important to, uh, to talk a little bit about what kind of services are available and how COVID is changing you know, the landscape for, for virtual care. So, uh, Dr. Titus, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so virtual medicine, we did a survey at the Canadian Medical Association last year, and 6% of family doctors were providing virtual care. Well, because of the pandemic, this has exploded. We've gone from 6, 6% to 80%. Yeah. 80% now of family doctors are providing virtual care, whether it's phone messaging, whether it's Skype, or actually being on a virtual medicine platform. So this whole industry has exploded. Yeah, and it's interesting. And I imagine, because um, I want to find a little bit about what kinds of things are available through virtual care, but, but just based on that little bit that you said, I imagine there's a very wide spectrum of what might be included in this idea of virtual care. Yeah, absolutely. So right now we're doing phone-to-phone, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. So we can also do uh, a face-to-face -face over a Skype-like, but a... It's a virtual platform, but, but it goes beyond that. So, for example, in our, our company, is we have digital platforms that are in retirement homes, 
that they have a digital stethoscope, digital otoscope, where we can do a complete exam on that patient, and that patient doesn't have to leave the home. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So I wasn't aware of that. Uh, that's incredible. And yeah, this is and this is not new then, is that what you're saying? This has been around for a while. This has been around for a while, but you know, society people didn't you know, weren't ready to accept it. Now people are clamoring. They said, No, I don't wanna walk into your office. I don't wanna have the potential of being infected. I wanna see you virtually. So the, there's a patient demand for that now. So so Rick, has it been a problem in the past? partly because the the demand side wasn't as high as we'd like it to be. And was there a problem with the government? And I, and I know you're out of Hamilton, and so there's there's the Ontario provincial issue. I think Alberta has a different uh, view of, of telemedicine, at least in the past. Do you think the, the COVID-19 has changed? And what what is the government saying will be acceptable going forward? Well, that, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, situation because... Two weeks before the, or actually two months before the COVID-19 pandemic, I sit on the Canadian National Virtual Medicine Task Force. We came out with our guidelines on February the 11th. And part of our guidelines are stating that we believe that docs should have a national licensure so we should be able to see our patients wherever they are in Canada. But also the other issue is that this should be a funded feature. doesn't matter if you're in Alberta, if you're in B.C., or if you're in Ontario. It should be funded by the government so that everyone has access to virtual medicine. And that was part of our National Virtual Medicine Task Force guidelines that we came out with. So how, how far does the current technology allow us to go? I, yeah. I'm curious. Like I was shocked that you said you could do a complete, you know, complete exam at, at home. How far does it go right now, Rick? Okay, so where is it right now? So if you go to Best Buy, if you go to Best Buy, uh, U.S. Best Buy, you can buy this kit. It's called TitoCare, and it's a, it's a home diagnostic kit, and I think it's like $299 U.S., and you could be at home, you contact your doctor, doctor is able to see you visually, and also he directs you in terms of how to examine you. He directs you where to put the stethoscope, you know, over here or over there, or how to use the otoscope. So you can have a complete exam in the comfort of your home. That's where digital medicine is going. That's where it is right now, actually. That's where it is, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, that that's really interesting. Now, is has the COVID pandemic only changed the awareness of it, or is there... Is there some other, you know, functional aspect of, of telemedicine that's that's taken place as a result of this? Well, for example, you know, I have a number of patients that have COVID-19 right now. So with with telemedicine or virtual medicine, I'm monitoring them on a daily basis, and I, and I you know, I I'm involved with their healthcare, and and they don't have to leave the comfort of their home. I don't have to expose myself. They don't have to be exposed to healthcare workers. So there's a real practical application. Are we getting more acceptance though? Like I'm talking about government, because at the end of the day, even though asking for funding or, or even the processes, because what I've heard in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Rick, that, that there's been governments who said we're in other provinces than yours, that has said, we're not going to pay doctors to do telemedicine. We're not going to pay doctors to do a Skype visit or to do anything where the patient's not coming in. That was 
until they come in through the doors, they you can't get paid, and 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 that causes a bit of a problem. Has has the government changed their mindset on that? Uh, that uh, that that's uh, very very interesting because it's like the genie has left the bottle, <laughs> and 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 I don't think the genie can put the genie back into the bottle. No. And now, especially with the endorsement of the national guidelines, you know. Mind you, these national guidelines came out two months ago. So the national guidelines, and it states very clearly that every province should allow virtual medicine. And virtual medicine in the context of the circle of care. So virtual medicine, that's delivered by your family doctor. That's delivered by your specialist. Because your family doctor has all your records. He knows what your allergies are. He knows your past history. So virtual medicine in that context is an, an incredible, valuable tool. And just very quickly, because we're running out of time, um, it, it, this is a trend to stay, I gather, from what you're saying. Do you see this accelerating, or is this just going to be a sort of a side shoot? Do we revert back to our mostly our normal behavior after this, or is this something that you see re- as a really powerful trend? So virtual medicine has exploded, uh, and it'll just keep on going. I've just I've mentioned about these home kits, yep. uh, where it's going to end, unknown. But it's a great, you know, for example, instead of coming to see your doctor, you're sick. Why not your doctor see you at home? Yeah. It, it's, it's an amazing tool, and we have to adopt technology for the better of, of health care. Yeah, I think so. Technology is going to play a very, very prominent role going forward. Um, Rick, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you spending some time and shedding some light on the capabilities that we have right now. My pleasure. been joined by Dr. Rick Titus. He's the CEO of WeCareMD. He's a Board of Hamilton doctor utilizing um, virtual care through video conferencing. Really, I mean, technology is is a key component. What what an interesting world we're in. Because if you look, go back in time, the doctor's house calls were normal. Yeah. And then they realized for some for economies of scale, yeah. bring the patient to the doctor. Yeah. And now we're going back to house calls. House calls. And, and, and the virtual aspect of it makes sense, right? If we are becoming more sensitive to the fact, you remember back in the day, you were kind of seen as a bit of a wimp if you didn't show up to work and you were sick. Yeah. Right? And now we've gotten to this point where we realize, well, that's silly. Why get everybody else sick? Yeah. And now we have the ability through technology to ensure that you're not infecting other people. Correct. Right? So... It's a, it's a great evolution. It's a great evolution. Yeah. We've got a, uh, an upcoming seminar webinar, uh, our second webinar that we're going to be doing. Yeah. So speaking of evolution right. and the change, right. is the, how, how do you change from what you've been investing into in the past, mm. going through this crisis, you're gearing up for retirement, and you know this type of volatility is something you cannot handle in your retirement, nor is it the right thing for you in your retirement. So you're looking for different ways to do it. The evolution of retirement is what we're going to discuss on Tuesday, May 19th. 7 p.m. live online. You need to register, though. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. And stick around after the break because we're going to do a little future gazing as to what life and work might look like after the, we, you know, we get out of this pandemic. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money on 770 CHQR. You're here with Dave and Faisal. Uh, good show uh, today, my friend. Um, but let's... Um, Let's finish it off with a discussion about uh, I, I, you know a major development that happened in our province, and yeah. that is a relaxation, a guide, a guideline of how we're going to reopen the economy and the different things that we can be doing. Yeah, a phased program coming in starting off uh, Monday, 
um, with some businesses, some uh, second-tier essential services. Yep. We talked about this. It was yeah. the essential, then the almost essential, yeah. and then they're going to slowly open it up based upon how the, the numbers are looking. And so Twitter's gone wild. All the social media platforms are going wild about this. Is it too soon? Is it, is it not soon enough? So on and so forth. Right. But what people from an investment perspective are thinking right now is, um, well, we're opening up the economy here, so the stock market will change. Right. Um, the stock market doesn't care about Alberta. And it's three-phased plan, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It, cares, it doesn't care about Georgia, which opened up before right. Alberta. Right. It cares about the national output of all these collective phased programs of different local, state, and provincial governments and how they're going to work in aggregate. And they're all different. And they're all different. Right. So the challenging point, and there's two ways, let's call it the fork in the road. Yeah. Challenge number one is how do you actually calculate or predict what every single province and state and country around the world is going to do with their own individual phase programs? Because it was a collective pandemic, so we all got washed into this, but it's an individual by individual response to it. And it's so different based upon how each country, each state and province has been impacted. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? That's, that's the first for, uh, fork in the road. Yeah. So e assuming, and most economists when they start off with a thesis says, assuming everything was the same before it started, mm -hmm. this is gonna be the output of, with a phased program assuming all the countries do this. But we've got a fork in the road and we have to look at the other direction. Mm -hmm. there, there's going to be a new normal. Like, I saw Jimmy Kimmel last night. I was watching him on YouTube. He hates that new normal. He hates the word. There's nothing normal. about this as normal. It's just new. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's a true comment. Like, your dream is coming true. Like, you can actually sit at home, get in front of a monitor, and not wear pants. What? I'm doing that right now? No, you're not. No, I, I no I'm right oh. in front of you. Please. <laughs> I'm not looking down. Please tell me you're wearing pants. I'm wearing pants. Okay. <laughs> but this is the problem. Like, we're we're now going through a change at the same time we're going through a recovery. Yeah. So what levers get pulled and so forth. So, you know, there's there's ways that, you know, there's ways that we're going to have our world mm -hmm. work, mm -hmm. the economy. Yeah. It's going to be different than it ever has been before. Well, and, and listen, um, so I'm, I'm maybe with Jimmy on this one a little bit. Yeah, definitely things are going to change, but ch things change anyways. So often it takes, there's an event that triggers that at a faster pace. Yep. You know, we talked about telemedicine today. It's been around for a long time. Guess what? Bang. 80% of doctors are now being, are, are now doing it. Correct. It's been around forever. So a change doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have, it, it's often scary because we don't know with, with certainty as to what it's going to look like. Correct. Right. I like the fact that different economies um, at different levels are opening at, at different ways because it balances everything. And I think we have to keep everything in balance. You know, that we've been talking about that. That's my word of the year is balance. I'm going to keep on that because mm -hmm. I think that's really important and it's going to be important to get through this stuff. But let's, let's, let's future gaze a little bit, my friend, because I, I read a report and there's been lots of speculation about what does that change look like? Yeah. Okay. Personal, professional work, you know, all these different things. Okay. And it's just kind of fun to think a little bit about. And there will be some business implications. I'm not necessarily... Convinced we have to go down that path today, but if we do, we do. Okay. okay? But, um, you know, I was reading a report, um, 13 ways the coronavirus pandemic could forever change the way we work. Okay. Okay. What are some of the obvious ways you could think of? So I would think, um, you know, business travel. Business travel and face-to-face -face interaction or meetings, to, you know, the amount of meetings face-to-face -face that yep. we would hold. 
probably going to be impacted in the in the short term at least, sure. right? So given that, probably means we have to rely more on um, video conferencing or Correct. technology to Correct. do those things. Correct. Right? Provided the time zone doesn't cause a problem. Well, well yeah, absolutely. And it will create a problem. But, but video conferencing has is not new. No, it's not new. And companies try to adopt it to cut costs. But when they realize they're a global company right. and you're in Vancouver and you want to deal with somebody in Amsterdam, you're waking up at 2 a.m., to have a 10 a.m. conversation, if that's the time zone differential. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact numbers, but, yeah. but the point is that that's a, that's a big change. So yeah. it's easier to ship the, per, the individual out to Amsterdam and have a time zone conversation there. Well, we're going to find out. Maybe it's not. Right. So it depends on the type of company. Yeah, maybe it's not right? easier. How many meetings has our team had in a boardroom? Since the pandemic? Well, before. Oh, before. Tons. Was t- tons, yeah. Now we don't have to. Right. We can all go home. Yeah. You can take off your pants, <laughs> and we can go on the camera. Keep the camera. I do above. wear shorts. I got to. Oh, tell is that? You. Well, I don't know. I, I don't look. I don't. Anyways, the I'm point is. I'm not that is, old yet, but give me po- another decade. But the point is, even even now, even the media will change, because yeah. what used to happen is come into studio. Yep. Put on your makeup, get all prepped up, get a tie on. Okay, so I want to talk good, about that. Look good, Dave. Yes. And get in there now. You can do the same thing, but you don't have to leave your home. Okay, but it's going to change things. So if, if we accept that there's going to be at least a temporary shift where we're now online, you're doing video, you're on camera, okay? One of the things in this report was an entirely new uh, fashion trend. Absolutely. The, right, this, the, this, the work at home category yep. uh, that has to look good on TV. So the fashion is going to lend itself to the technology we Absolutely. have to use. Absolutely. The um, makeup industry. I was just going to say, boys. Get Pay ready. attention here. Get ready. Right. The lighting company. Like right now, we are in our own studio in our office building. Right. And we've been doing this for a while. Right. And I can tell you, not being in the actual studio at Chorus, we have our own lights. We have our own cameras. We have our own microphones. We have our own makeup. We have yep. every, everything because we have video and audio happening at the exact same time. Right. Now, if you're accustomed to having and delivering meetings, conferences, and media pieces... Yep. Yeah, Dave, you've learned a lot about makeup in the last 24 months. This is what I... How many more people... I was going to say, gentlemen, pay attention. It's not only a gentleman thing, because you don't always have to get dressed a certain way when you're going to work, but if you're going to be on video. Because you look at video differently than when you look at somebody in a a room. That was the point of this, right? And you and I both know, right, if you don't want to look shiny, you're going to have to wear makeup. Correct. So you might have to change... Yeah, that's why I say, gentlemen, you're probably not used to this, but you may be, if, if more of the impact that you're going to make at work uh, has to be through video, there might be these kinds of things. And every time you're bringing up a new way or yeah. a new thing to t- think about, yeah. look at the economic opportunity out of it. We don't even have to go down that side and look at right. all the numbers, but I'll, every time you mention this stuff, I'm, I hear cash registers just ringing, sure. right? One of the yeah, no, absolutely. There's always opportunity. One of the areas that I thought was interesting in this report, they were talking about co- coworkers and the relationships we have with coworkers. Correct. They actually might become closer, more meaningful, and I, I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. um, title. And I, so I was reading into it. Here's the issue: <clears throat> if you're together currently or uh, pre-pandemic every day, yeah, with your coworkers, uh, you may have taken those relationships for granted. Mm-hmm. You probably won't take those in the post-pandemic uh, culture if 
if we accept and we have the technology where some people are working more remotely. So we're not, we don't always have to be in the office, but when you are together in the office, yeah. those relationships might actually become more meaningful. Of course. The, I mean, for real estate companies and so on and so forth, we're also talking about how do you repurpose buildings? Are they going to look the way they look right now? Or if most people work at home and it's only on a temporary basis, do we repurpose those buildings to look more like uh, conference and gathering areas versus cubicles and, and yep. whatnot, right? Yep. Anyways, it's really fascinating to think into the future about this. And I don't want change to mean worse. I don't want it to be scary. I mean, there's lots of positive stuff that could come out of this. We as humans have always been able to evolve to make things better generation over generation. Yep. And all you need to look back is look back at your grandparents or great-grandparents and is your world better than it was back then? Right. And that just tells no matter what's happened, things get better time and time again. And as an investor, look for where the opportunities amen. are. Where is that puck going? Let's get there. Uh, okay. Ooh, amen. hockey talk. I, I know. It. I know you'd like that. that um, let's let's wrap it up. We got to yeah. we got to do a, a webinar, and we're going to try to make this all make sense. So where is where are the trend going? Where do you have to be aware? What do you have to be aware of? More importantly, how do you make sure you structure your money so that you can bulletproof your retirement, regardless of what's going to change in the future? We're going to talk about that. On Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m., live online. So you need to register online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Faisal and I look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.